3: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live
0: Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway, Larson's going to send it, Larson's in the wall, Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper, Logano leads down the back straightaway, Keselowski's in line, now he turns him! Team Penske, cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame.
3: NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here's your host, Mike Bagley.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live wide open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you actually spending the week this week at the worldwide headquarters of the Motor Racing Network and Racing Electronics in Concord, North Carolina. Had a chance to spend some time with drivers and crew members and the like this week. It was NASCAR production days. And in case you don't know what that is, uh, before the season begins... The drivers all congregate together, sometimes together and separately, and there are production elements that are recorded. Now, if you watch the sport on TV, if you watch TV, say, when they go to a break and a driver is standing there in front of a checkered flag or waving a checkered flag or whatever like that, that's where these are recorded. Radio-wise, when you hear liners on MRN with drivers, those are recorded here. Basically, it's to accomplish those goals before we get to the racetrack and we start talking about the nuts and bolts of the actual race weekend. Had a chance to visit with all the drivers. I will tell you this, folks. All these drivers are pumped and ready to go. A lot of these drivers have gotten vacations in the rearview mirror. They've gotten holidays in the rearview mirror. And then now all attentions are on these race cars, on these race teams, getting everything prepared. Perhaps maybe taking a final trip or so before the season starts. But all eyes right now are on the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum for the Cup drivers. By the way, truck and Xfinity drivers, they had their production days too. They're getting ready to go for their season openers coming up at Daytona in about a month down at the World Center of Racing. So we talked to a lot of folks, had great time. You're going to be hearing these conversations on MRN coming up over the next few weeks or so. But I wanted to pull one out and spotlight one in particular, and it involves a driver that actually made some headlines last week. In case you missed it, Kyle Larson has announced, along with HendrickCars.com, Rick Hendrick and Hendrick Motorsports, that in 2024, Kyle Larson's going to be running the Indianapolis 500 in the NTT IndyCar Series, and obviously at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So Kyle comes in. We always love spending time with Kyle. And we talked about a lot of things, but the conversation actually began, and I focused in on his demeanor. If you know Kyle, if you've interacted with him, if you've heard his interviews, not a lot rattles Kyle. And that's where our visit began about his demeanor and how he carries himself at the track and away from the track as well. I've known you for a while. You are a very low-key, not-a-lot-excites-you kind of guy from what we can see. What does like get you? I don't say worked up and mad, but like get you excited. And do you intentionally harness enthusiasm, or is this just the way you? Because, dude, you're running the Indianapolis 500. You almost won the. I mean, there's some pretty big things you've accomplished, but you're just so calm, cool, and collected.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really get that excited about. I mean, I, yes, I'm excited about everything I do, but I'm saying like overly excited, um, where I can't control myself, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, I I mean, I love like spectating and watching a race or an event. I'll get really excited like then and show, you know, emotion or whatever. But for the most part, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty just laid back and nothing like works me up good or bad. Like I don't get overly happy about things. I don't get overly upset and stressed about things either. So, i don't know what that is um has it always been that way yeah i feel like you know i think just maybe growing up in california and all that and i don't know just i think when you race cars you got to grow up pretty quickly you have children at an early age you got to grow up quickly um so i think all of that have it's kind of helped me grow up fast you know and, and just not take things too serious
0: we um we were talking about like gambling, and, and you had suggested like grassroots. Hey, introduce that to the grassroots. Just speaking of grassroots, we talk about it a lot on, on Sirius and in the talk shows about how that is the most important part of racing, if you want to be honest about it. Everybody talks about the big stuff, right? Yeah. You got to the Cup Series. How important is it, in your opinion, to preserve that grassroots effort, those men and women that are struggling to put people in the grandstand, and keep that chain of racing alive so it keeps feeding the upper levels of sports oh yeah i mean it's it's yeah i mean it's that is the most
1: important piece of the puzzle is is the grassroots um like you mentioned it's just that's the feeder into all the big things that we do on on sundays and um yeah that's where everybody's original love comes from or or maybe you know maybe they're they're a fan of nascar but they don't get the opportunity to go to a one of the 38 races but they can drive 20 minutes to an hour away from their house and go watch a lo- local short track event and bring their friends bring their family and, and, you know, grow more fans. So yes, I think preserving the grassroots, um, you know, preserving supporting your local racetrack is just very important. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of local short tracks closing down and there's a lot more closing down than opening up. And, um, I think that's a scary thing. Um, but, you know, the sport is in good hands and um, I try to do my part. That's why I race a lot. You know, I race a lot of dirt track events. There's a lot of reasons why I race a lot of dirt track events. But one of the main reasons is is because I feel like I, I attract a you know, certain fan to the races. And, um, you know, it, it,
0: it gets people excited and, and ultimately grows the sport. You, you shared some candid thoughts last week with, with Pete about... You know, you look in the pictures and you're not in them, you race a lot, you're gone away a lot. And how, how, do, you, how do you try to find the balance with what you do in the five car that, that has a lot of demand and all of your other responsibilities, it requires demand? How challenging is it to balance that, but also be mindful of, you know, you're a husband and you're a father and you're needed at home too. How do you, how do you try to manage all that?
1: it's uh it's really really hard honestly um this has been the first year i've ever had an off season and uh you know i i didn't race at all until this last week in new mexico and i feel like that was that was good because it allowed me to finally spend time with my family you know more than just a couple of days at a time um and then i and then i also think because you know i spent time with them in the off season it'll you know kind of it's like all right now january 1st like now is race season um so then i can kind of go off and, and race and you'll know, make myself a better race car driver um you know, build my brand to support my family stuff like that while also spending time with them you know when i can during the year but uh it is it's a sacrifice you know i there's nobody busier than me there's nobody behind the wheel of a race car more than me and with that you know Yes, I get to experience a lot of great things, um, but I miss out on a lot of stuff that my kids are into now. Yeah, my son's eight years old. My daughter will be five. We just had another new baby. So there's a lot of things that I'm I miss out on during the year. So it's a, it's a hard balance. But at the end of the day, I'm very fortunate to have Caitlin who supports me and and allows me to go be off race as much as possible because I mean in the end it, it is it is my job um, I love it it doesn't feel like a job but it is my job and uh, it it allows us to get to experience all the things that we do so um, who knows how long I'll stay this busy but um,
0: I'm gonna take advantage of it while I have the energy you made the announcement that you're gonna run the 2024 Indianapolis 500 a lot of this is for the fan that doesn't understand this why so far out you made the comment that if you were to run it this year, you didn't have time to prepare. A lot of folks think, well, just get an Indy car ride, you test it a couple times, you hop in the car, you race it, boom, you're done. What is that preparation lead time that year and a half that you have? What is needed to transpire in that time to make you feel comfortable that you're ready to go when you take the green flag on the yard of bricks? Yeah, no, that's a that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I would wonder the
1: same thing, you know, but uh like and I don't even know I haven't talked to Kurt Busch or anything like how I don't I don't know when they finalized their deal when he ran the d 500 and and if he felt prepared enough um, by the time he got to run the d 500 but for me I, I I like having this long time before I race you know because there's probably so much more that goes into being prepared than I even know about right now but you know in my mind, yes, I'll have to do the rookie orientation. I would love to do, I I don't know what the restrictions are really with testing and stuff, but I would like to do some tests. I just want to be around them as, as often as my schedule allows me to, um, listen to their radio, be a part of their debriefs. Um, just anything that I can soak up, um, before next year, because I've said it for a long time. I don't want to I'm not entering this race to say that I've ran in the Indy 500. I want to enter the race to feel like I've got an opportunity to win, and, and I would love to go out there and win. So, um, I think a year and a half of
0: preparation will put me in a better spot than if I was to do it this May. Getting you from Indianapolis to Charlotte is not the issue. We can do that. You can run the 500. You can get to Charlotte and do the 600. The challenge is the lead in the month of May, where you've got practice, carb day, this and that, and this and that. You obviously have a very skilled team around you to work out logistics. When will you be able to figure out? because we don't know where we're going to race next year, right? We don't know what the month of May is going to look like next yeah. year. Will that be the hardest part of the process? The lead up, getting back and forth to Indy and whatever cup track we're at to make sure that you're checking all the boxes at both venues? Well, I think I think they've made the schedule
1: a lot easier the last couple of years. I don't think it's, I think it used to be, what, two weeks or three weeks even of on-track stuff, where I think now it's basically just like a week of, of maybe a little bit more than a week of on-track time. So, that helps. Um, I remember looking at it this year, like I could have done it this year with like no problem. Um, the only problem I would have had would have been, um, I think, yeah, I guess it's like a week and a half of practice and stuff. Cause I would have, I think like I would have had to flown back and forth for like the all-star race. And then, you know, obviously the following week, but other than that, like it would have been no problem for me to be there during the week and practice and all that. So, Um, and that's just on paper I mean once it's once it's there you know in real life like it's probably logistically a little harder but I don't think it's as hard as it used to be so um yeah that'll all be that'll all hopefully be fine and and I'm sure I'll be racing dirt races in between too so (laughs) I don't want to I don't want to lose lose any of that you know I'm I'm a pretty throwback racer so I want to I still want to race
0: dirt stuff while I'm got my obligations at Indy too Air Hendrick to the rescue. Final question. So, uh, Cliff has talked about it. You've talked about it. There were mistakes that were made. Everybody made mistakes last year. Everybody had moments of challenge, right? Mm -hmm. But you've also had moments of success. So, when you sit down, you debrief, and you get ready to go into this season, you need to look back last year of things to address. You know, we need to button this up, button that up. Should be good to go here. Should be good to go there. How difficult is that when you had the newness of the car, you hadn't raced the car a whole season yet minimal practice time updated simulation there's all this stuff that was new and fresh that you endured now to the end of that mm-hmm. how do you go forward knowing now what you didn't know this past year to minimize those mistakes and be that formidable championship yeah contender? no it's it's i think i mean
1: there's a lot that goes into it um, selfishly as a driver you're like well if your car's faster everything's a lot easier so you know that's a that's a good good way to start but i mean it's true you know when you're when stuff when your car is fast you know, it just makes everything a lot easier decision making um pit road like you're just your whole race is just a lot more relaxed and um but when time just it's not it's rare that your car is perfect all the time it's rare that you're you, you are the dominant car so when you're not yeah it's just i think for me it's just trying to maximize your day without pushing the issue too much you know and it's all the little details too you know there was a lot of mistakes i mean the last pit stop of the race last year i had tried to squeeze a little bit more getting in my stall lock my brakes up slid through had to back up lost lost time so it's just like little stuff like that you know the little details that i think you just have to be more focused on and um to minimize mistakes so i think just i mean if there's a word it's just focus just focus harder and and uh, i think that'll help take care of the mistakes a little bit more
0: That's the driver of the number 5, HendrickCars.com, Chevrolet Camaro for Hendrick Motorsports. Kyle Larson, going to be interesting to see what he and Cliff Daniels can do. Had some tough sledding last year. They had success. They won races. They had challenges. But then again, who didn't in this next-gen car? We feel that perhaps maybe he could be a potential championship contender again. Who knows? He may be a contender to win the Daytona 500, which is coming up one month from Sunday. A ratio here on the Motor Racing Network. Um, And we can't wait to get to Daytona. Speaking of the great American race, we are counting down. We are getting closer. We've heard from Las Vegas. If you've you've listened to our podcast and you listen to what we did last year, we always keep you up to date on what Las Vegas is thinking as far as certain races and certain things, championships and the like. Well, let's focus in on the Daytona Five Hundred. We're a month out. Producer Trey is back here in 2023. Trey, what's Vegas saying so far about the potentials for some drivers to have more favorable odds to win the Great American Race than some of the others?
3: Well, Mike, you mentioned a, m- a month from Sunday. We've got, I think, what, what four weeks from Sunday. But mm-hmm. today, this podcast drops on January 19th, Daytona Five Hundred, February 19th. So what we'll do is we'll look at these then. To we'll look at these right now, but then after the duels when we come back for that podcast just days away from the 500 it'll be interesting to see how the odds on this race move but i want to ask you you haven't you haven't seen these odds who do you think vegas has pegged as the daytona 500 favorite a month out well who see would you guess?
0: that scares me because what i think would be a favorite what vegas would be a favorite could be two totally different things if i had to give you The favorite to win the 500. If I was the odds maker, I would make Denny Hamlin the number one guy.
3: You and Vegas are in sync, Mike. Then I need to get
0: out there right now.
3: (laughs) Denny Hamlin, plus 1100 or 11 to one to win the Daytona 500 for the fourth time. That is the favorite. Some interesting names right behind him. Some guys who have finished second in the 500 in the past, but have yet to hoist that Harley J. Earl trophy over their head. At 12-1, to both Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney are right behind Hmm. Denny Hamlin. And then the defending champion in the Cup Series and a Daytona 500 champion back in 2015, Joey Logano, sits at plus 14. And the guy we just spoke to earlier on the show, a guy who was leading on the white flag lap in 2017 but ran out of gas, Kyle Larson, sits at – plus 1,400 or fourteen to one. Interesting with Larson's odds. He's a favorite a lot of times, but he's not always the best at uh, super speedways.
0: All right. Now, this is the one that I really want to know about. Mm-hmm. And I want to see where Vegas is on this. Let's talk about the other Kyle. You know, there's been a lot made about Kyle Busch going to Richard Childress Racing. There are some folks in the industry and, and some industry insiders that have already claimed Kyle Busch will win the 2023 Daytona 500. What's Vegas saying about that?
3: Kyle Busch is the 11th favorite, really? according to Vegas. He is plus 2,200 or 22 wow. to 1. So he's pretty far down there. Interesting odds there. You want to get even steeper odds. Now, we're already into the odds that you we would consider long shots most right. weeks. 2007 Daytona 500 champion Kevin Harvick, who announced that he's going to retire after this year. His last Daytona 500. was storybook ending that would be for Harvick in the 500. 25 to 1. Wow, for Harvick in the 500. You want to go steeper than that? Look at some look at some long shots in, in the in the 500. Colleg racing the duo of Justin Haley and AJ Allmendinger had a lot of success together in the Xfinity Series, mm-hmm. especially at Daytona. Allmendinger and Haley are both forty to one to win the Daytona 500, and then another driver who is two other drivers who are closing in on the end of their careers, and two drivers who were very close to winning the Daytona 500, led on the backstretch of the final lap. Martin Truex Jr., who came up just shy of beating Denny Hamlin in 2016, and Eric Almirola, who was turned by Austin Dillon in 2018, Almarola Super Speedways are some of his best tracks. Both of those guys are thirty three to one. All right. To win.
0: So speaking of guys getting turned on the backstretch and in, in front of me, mm-hmm. where does uh, Joey Logano stack up the rank uh, the reigning series champion? Where is he in this mix?
3: He is fourteen to one with uh, with Kyle Larson and the guy who turned him that year, a guy who most considered to be one of the best Super Speedway drivers in the sport, who's yet to win a five hundred. Ke- Brad Keselowski. He sits at 18 to 1.
0: Wow. Well, these odds we think will change. But even though the one with the best odds, Denny Hamlet, 11 to 1, to me, that's still a long shot. If you want to mm-hmm. throw a couple units out there, I would say it's a target rich environment to do that. I'll be curious to see as we get closer and when we revisit these, the closer we get to the 500, how Vegas will change these. Remember, we have no practice before we qualify on the Wednesday before the 500. It is qualifying. Then we'll have the dual races. Then we'll have a couple of practice sessions. Then we'll run the Great American Race coming up a month from this weekend. Any other odds, nuggets you have for us before we turn the folks loose? I think we
3: covered most of of the big names there. Some interesting ones who have better odds than you might think. Better odds than... A uh, Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, and William Byron, both at 16 to 1. And then the defending champion, Austin Cindric. he sits with Keselowski at 18
0: to 1. I think there's some opportunity there. You might want to get on it, folks. Again, we are in the countdown mode. We're ready to go to Los Angeles for the clash, the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. And, of course, a month away from the start of the brand-new racing season with the running of the Daytona 500. All those races and all the lead-up and the countdown you can hear right here on the Motor Racing Network. Folks, that's all the time we have for you for this week. Appreciate the download. Appreciate you checking us out. For Producer Trey and the rest of the MRN team, we will reconvene right here next week for another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. Until then, so long, everybody.
3: NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com.